0: Hey guys welcome back to beer buddies it's uh, just me today chris and i have uh an interesting topic that i just kind of wanted to talk about and i've been trying to figure out how to package it for a while in a way that makes sense on this podcast because it's not about necessarily beers it's um uh, about one of my hobbies i used to be a i guess a semi-profession turned hobby now as I'm a retired musician but i'm uh, working on uh guitars and um uh, the first part of this I'd like to talk about would be, you know, when I'm working on one of my guitars, I you know, I build guitars, I tinker with them. I played music for many, many years and always tried to mess with things. Didn't always have a lot of money for the nicest gear, so I try to tweak my stuff to make it sound better if I could or figure out ways to enhance the sound without spending money. Um, more recent years, I, I, you know, I have a full-time job and I'm able to afford some of the nicer things that I've always wanted. Um, and when I am working on my guitars or any of my other equipment I, I usually... Uh, and you're, you're going to laugh. Jordan's going to laugh on this one because we used to talk so much crap when hip, uh, hazy IPAs started coming out. Uh, we thought it was just for hipsters, something out of Southern California. And now that's kind of my, my go-to if I want something that's it's interesting. Almost like, um, you know, if you have an ADD and you can't be doing one thing at a time, I like to have a good hazy IPA that's not overbearingly bitter but has some complexity to it some very interesting tasting notes while I'm doing something else it's really complex with my my hands so I, I don't know why but it always helps me focus so today um, while I talk to you guys about some of the stuff I'm gonna crack open one of my favorites and also controversial in our growler gang I seem to be the only one that likes pineapple and beers uh, correct me if I'm wrong leave it in the comments uh, guys but today we're drinking pineapple cannon from device and I believe it's not Necessarily one of the beers they have all the time, but it is one of the ones they are known for, and it's one of my favorite hazies they make. So let me pour this out here. Get going. So, a little bit of a backstory. A while back, uh, okay. So, so if we go farther back than that, uh, the guys in the uh, the Growler Gang Unite episode, Logan, Miles, Jordan, um, and there's been a couple others that aren't on the podcast. We played music together for a long long time, many years, been friends for a long time, in a few bands together, played lots of shows uh, all around the Sacramento area. Jordan and I actually were in a band that had a very low-key record deal at one point, so it was really exciting. Uh, lots of studio time. Um, I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun, something I miss a lot. Uh, somehow... Every band that I was in with Jordan uh, was in the same kind of a practice space, like a studio space for rent here in South Sacramento. And we were always the loudest band in the whole complex, and I, I take that with a lot of pride because we were in various just you know punk bands, and we we're going up against all these uh, you know metal bands. They're usually known for being brutal, and making lots of noise, but we always outplayed them. Uh, Part of which is because Jordan had a really, really nice, I believe it was like a seven-piece rack-mounted drum kit with a bunch of cymbals. I think that was a beast. And I was playing a custom-made or custom-modded 100-watt Marshall stack, uh, also a beast. But getting to the guitars, um, the first one, because I'm going to compare two guitars for you guys today, the first of the two is a gift from an old bass player of mine uh, from from one of our old bands. Uh, It's a... Uh, technically, it's a lawsuit Les Paul from 1970, so it's not actually a Gibson Les Paul. It's even more rare, uh, but it has no value because it's not a Gibson. It's kind of funny. It's I call it the the Mercury Cougar of the Ford Mustang market. Everything's the same. It's a blueprint spec 1970 Les Paul. It's a seven I think seven ply mahogany body. Uh, it's made exactly the same. Uh, Gibson parts fit on it. Like I've I've swapped out like a bridge and, and some Gibson tuners. Uh, I mean mahogany neck it's got everything so it's just it's kinda funny that no one really has interest in these Um, fun piece of trivia it's the same guitar that Slash from Guns N' Roses started out with when he was first starting to play I think the same color too it's a black with a cream trim that I've recently converted over to all black hardware and black knobs so the only pieces left that are not black is that cream trim and I think it looks really it looks really classy looks really cool Uh, on top of that that was one of the first guitars that I had that was really nice that I started playing around with electronics. And so I swapped out some of the capacitors and what, and I swapped out the, 2 uh, not the tuners. I did the tuners, but I'm, I'm talking about the uh, potentiometers for the knobs. I swapped those out. Uh, so I put in new pickups. The pickups I picked were uh, Duncan SH-6 distortion pickups, which I kind of turned into a Duncan fanboy after that. All the guitars that I've built have had Seymour Duncans in them. Uh, except for the Loch Ness monster that Miles has now, which is uh, a really really cheap Dean that we threw some EMGs in just as an experiment. Uh, turns out EMGs do make everything sound great, and that's actually a really cool guitar. But everything else has been Seymour Duncan's, pretty much various kinds. So the neck and bridge both Seymour Duncan SH6 distortion. Uh, I I love them; they're fantastic. Uh, and I swapped out all of the, like I said, the electronics the control side of the, the guitar. Um, I threw in a similar capacitor. For the tone knobs, they used back in the hair metal days in the 80s. Um, I forget what the number is off the top of my head, like .44 microfarads or something like that. A little bit more. It gives the guitar a little bit more bite, a little bit different roll off on the tone knob and the volume. Uh, and then also the both the volume pots are um, push pull. So actually, I've I've grounded or coil tapped both the neck and bridge pickups so I can tap them from humbuckers to single coils by grounding out half the half the magnet. So it's now pretty diverse in tone for Les Paul it's not something you normally would see on a Les Paul uh sounds great the guys I had a a bridge pickup first back when I was in the band with the guys um that it was like the go-to the guitar I played everything on stage with it I played everything in the studio with it it was it sounded great kicked ass it's a little heavy you know but it was uh, like physically heavy like this thing is a beast It's like nine or ten pounds but it was always great. Like you know, end of the show, I'd have a shoulder, a little bit of a sore shoulder from jumping around and doing all the rock star stuff. But it was, it was a lot of fun. So, uh, I have another guitar that i recently built, and it's kind of like one of those. Like I started with my like my training wheels was that lawsuit Les Paul, you know, maybe ten years ago. Starting to mess around, I wasn't very good at soldering at the time. I'm a lot better now. I'm a lot more knowledgeable on tone woods and how all the inner workings of the, the electronics work in the guitar, setting up the neck, the scale lengths, all this stuff, I've done a lot of research over the years, in preparation to build uh, kind of my like my dream guitar, and I want to say it started with, uh, so the first was the passing of my Uncle Dennis, it was a huge inspiration to me, uh, growing up, since I started playing in high school, he was always trying to throw me in with his bands and play improv stuff. He's a jazz guy, so he always just tried to have me make stuff up on the fly, I come up on stage randomly with his band, play with those guys, come to rehearsals. Uh, when Jordan and I got our record deal, he talked to us in his in his driveway, actually. We told him about it, and he told us all the ins and outs and all the dirty secrets of the music industry and kind of helped us be more prepared. You know, We were kind of that starry-eyed, ooh, this is, a, this is awesome. We got a really weird, we don't really understand the record deal, but at least we got one. It's kind of cool. We're getting our foot in the door, and it turns out that was kind of uh, like record deals aren't always what you think they are. Uh, they aren't always the best for your band. We, we agreed to it. The band broke up shortly after that. Uh, it had something to do with the, you know, the breakup, but something to do with the advice that he gave us to help protect us from the label, which ended up being really, it was really valuable advice because he's been there, done that, you know? So he passed away. It was, uh, it, it hurt quite a bit. Um, and then my, my cousin, his, his son ended up, uh, giving me, it's a a 65 Fender Strat, that was my uncle's, and I I covet that guitar, I barely play it, you know, I I look at it every day, Um, It sounds great, I mean, it's an awesome guitar, it's like, it's pretty much, it's a a Fender Custom Shop time machine, so it's made out of old parts, it's basically a a new produced 1965 Strat, uh, down to like even use some of the old 60s parts they had on the shelves. Uh, you know, basically, if you if you imagine what Jimi Hendrix probably bought off the shelf before he went to Europe and started playing, uh, you know, brand new, that's what it is. That's what it is. Um, there are some things that I, I learned to appreciate growing up with the modern strats, uh, like the five-way switch, uh, some of the hotter pickups they have now. The 65 had pretty hot pickups for the time. Uh, it was kind of a special year. But, um, you know, trying to play this old style guitar, it's, it's nostalgic, it's got some cool um, quirks about it, but I wanted to have a guitar that had the tone, like an old dried out wood guitar with some of that old tried and true hardware, like really nice pickups, really nice you know wiring, everything's clean, but I didn't want to touch this this 65 Strat for my uncle, because I want to keep it as, as pristine and original as possible, it's, it's, it's very meaningful to me. So here, here we are. Um, a couple years ago, after all this time, now I finally have some money put aside. Uh, I I've played some old guitars. I have played some new guitars. I have played different, various, you know, configurations of, you know, maybe different brands. And it's time to order the one that I want. That basically I wanted to make a guitar that I could just pick up and play any type of music with. It would sound great for any type of music. Uh, so I created this this build. Uh, I actually went to Fender. Custom Shop again, because I appreciated my uncle so much. Fender Custom Shop has a great reputation for uh, building guitars, I mean, f- fantastic guitars. But they would not let me do what I wanted to do. So, uh, unfortunately, they were trying to charge me quite a bit of money, a few thousand dollars, for a guitar that wasn't really what I wanted. It wasn't entirely... You know, it wasn't, it wasn't the, the configuration that I wanted. So I'm very, very picky. I'm very specific. Um, the band guys used to call me Diva, so I'm very picky about everything. But I went to, uh, you know, the internet, right? You look on the internet, they'll show you all kinds of stuff, right? Looking around, other different guitar builders. Came across Warmoth. Uh, watched a lot of their YouTube videos. Uh, Warmoth Guitars in Washington, uh, actually, is what I ended up ordering through. That was a... Um, I picked a Fender licensed body right like a standard uh, Stratocaster shape uh, front routed you know the same the normal cavity uh, but I picked uh, roasted alder for the body so it's actually artificially aged in an oven so it sounds like old tonewood uh, the other uh, piece that I had ordered from them actually before I move on I forgot so I, I also picked the, a similar color to my uncle's uh, 65 Strat, which is his, is like that classic vintage burst. Um, I got mine in the vintage burst, but it in like a metallic paint, so it's not uh, a wood stain, it's actually a solid colored metallic paint. Um, I wanted it to look similar, uh, but not be the same. I wanted it to be a little different, but more like a tribute, right? Uh, I also ordered with it a um, roasted maple neck, so I did a reverse headstock, uh, CBS like a mid-60s neck, the big headstock defender Fender made. Uh, I did a compound radius neck, 10 to 16-inch compound radius neck with standing still frets, and then I ordered the uh, neck to be unfinished. So no no gloss, no uh, satin coating, nothing on just just the wood. Uh, when the guitar came, there was a little bit of assembly, so I put on... Uh, basically what I'm trying to do is create a guitar that's like my uncle's, but it's also very much... Um, geared towards the kind of music that I, I played when I was in my bands. I played with my friends so uh, think of like it's got the vintage color it's got the you know artificially aged wood so it sounds like an old guitar uh, I put vintage 60s uh, patina, like Fender makes artificially patinaed um, tuners and I also bought the vintage um, Fender patinaed hardware like the screws so they look old uh, and then on top of that uh, for the pickups I threw in a An SH-6 Distortion Bridge, the same as that last Paul. I threw that in, uh, and I angled it, Eddie Van Halen style, and screwed it into the body of the guitar. Uh, The middle pickup is a Seymour Duncan Antiquity uh, Surfer II uh, artificially aged pickup. You pull these out of the box, they're constructed like the old 60s pickups or 50s pickups that Fender used to make, but they're also artificially patinaed and kind of aged, and they sound pretty cool. It's pretty twangy. And then for the neck pickup, I went with a, a single-coil-sized um, or a mini-bucker version of the Screaming Demon neck pickup, uh, George Lynch from Duncan. Uh That one, uh, it's it's kind of a... His ideology was a medium output, gave you more harmonics or more clarity so you can get more um, input from your hands out of the guitar rather than some of these higher-end pickups or the higher-output pickups where they just kind of overdrive everything and just kind of force it, and, you know, And then I, again, uh, I'm addicted to not having simple guitars. I can't do anything the easy way. So I coil tapped the Bridge SH-6, which is a full-size humbucker, same as the Les Paul. And I coil tapped the mini-bucker in the neck, uh, so same as the Les Paul. But now we have on this Strat um, a very diverse set of tones. So the the Bridge pickup now, if you coil tap it, it sounds like a a vintage single-coil Fender Strat. Uh, the neck pickup, if you coil tap it, it sounds like an old school, like a 50s low output, like it's just one of the original strats, really clean, twangy, bright. The middle pickup is very, uh, it's a little bit higher output, and it's very, very twangy and bright. Uh, the idea of the middle pickup being twangy and bright, which is, it's brighter than the other two. It's, it's ridiculous. But what you do is you put it in the fourth, second or fourth position. Humbuckers are normally like kind of a darker tone. They have more mids and lows. And so when you're in the second or fourth position, you're blending that middle pickup with either the neck or the bridge humbucker. And that kind of brightens them up a little bit, so it kind of brings a balance. Like, it's got a really, really nice balance in humbucker mode. And then when you're playing them in single coil mode, uh, they sound. it sounds like an old Strat, like how a Strat should. Uh, that was all um, installed in the guitar. Then I have a Floyd Rose bridge. Uh, locking neck, it's, it's a, not a free float, it's, it, again, Eddie Van Halen style. Um, the, uh, rests against, not the body, but it's just a dive only setup, I was trying to remember the name, dive only, and it has the D-tuna on the E-string, so I can drop from D, I drop the D instantly, or put it in E, since it's basically locked in. It, you know, our, our, the music that we used to play had a combination of E-standard and, like, drop D-tuning, so it, it's really handy to go back and forth really quickly on stage. And then all of that, um... The only problem I had left, the last thing I just did to this guitar a few weeks ago, when you coil tap the humbuckers, you're cutting out part of the output so they get quieter. So I had purchased an afterburner um, preamp from EMG. So it's it's basically a potentiometer with a preamp in it, and you have a nine volt battery that plugs into it. And so that I've tucked right behind this the first tone knob. And so it's I don't have a knob on it, it's just a metal shaft coming up, but it's a push-pull system where it activates a preamp. And you can add gain, so it's almost like you know. Eric like Clapton's setup has um, his tone knob is actually the gain um, setting. Mine, I still have full tone control. I can coil tap the humbuckers. Nice. I can turn this boost on and off. Uh, that basically, when I'm playing um, single coil mode, I can turn the boost on, and it sounds like a higher output. Almost like like I have a, a Strat that has some uh, Texas Special type pickups in it. I think they were. Texas Antiquity from Seymour Duncan because I'm a fanboy that are a little higher output single coils and so it kind of sounds like that guitar when you boost it but it's got like 20 decibels of boost it's ridiculous like I, I only turn it up a quarter of the way and tap it and it gives me enough juice um, so all of that basically that guitar has influence from four people um, my Uncle Dennis uh, Eddie Van Halen uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jimi Hendrix and those are my four biggest Guitar Idols, right? So I basically took a guitar from the 60s that I got from my uncle, you know, some Jimi Hendrix influence with the Upside Down Headstock and the CBS Headstock. Um, you know, I, I play similar to Steve Rayvon. Sometimes I like to, you know, jam on. He's got really high output 20 pickups on his guitars, the Texas style. But I also play a lot of rock. Um, so I you know, wanted that humbucker in the bridge, like Eddie, with the angle, and screwed into the wood. And I, can, I tell you, this guitar has some... Um, It has some chunk for a Strat. I'm really impressed. Uh, The interesting part, though, putting in the EMG afterburner, it actually has a bus, or like kind of a, what do they describe it as? I should know this. It's, It's Sunday. I'm tired. But basically a buffer, not a bus. It's a buffer. I use all boss pedals, the same thing. Each boss pedal has a buffer in it, too. So basically what it does is it makes sure that your voltage output it matches your input. Uh, so if you have a boss pedal on each end of your pedal rack, it'll make sure that you're not losing signal as they go through the pedals, because you're going to get some noise. You're going to have a, a lower signal-to-noise ratio the more pedals you go through without a bus. or a, a, a... Oh, Sorry, work's getting away. I've been dealing with some bus loops lately. Buffers. So without the buffer there. So this actually is, a, this, this preamp has a buffer built into it, and the engineer that I talked to on the phone so I was trying to integrate an active like a 9 volt battery powered circuit into a passive uh, guitar system right without affecting any of the functionality and it was mentioning me the buffer on these guitars sometimes just installing this preamp without even having it activated the buffer is still activated when you plug the guitar in and it actually cleans up your sound quite a bit and um, telling you that i think you're going to be able to hear the difference between the two guitars i'm not going to tell you which one was which But I do have some audio samples for you to listen to, some side-by-sides. One of the guitars I have used to record this intro for the podcast on a different amp, on a little orange Micro Terror, which is a badass little amp. Uh, This recording was done with uh, just, I have a basic microphone um, just plugged straight into my Marshall. Uh, Nothing really done to it. Uh, So here you go. Alright, so, you heard the two guitars, uh, guitar one, I don't know if you can guess, faded slightly to the left, was the Les Paul. It's a little dirtier sounding, it's got a little bit more noise, um, could be a ground issue, I, I don't think so. I think its it might also be, um, the body is thicker, it's got more wood and it resonates more, it carries more of the sounds through the, the, the whole body, uh, more than like traditionally strats do. And the pickups might be a little bit closer to the strings than on the Strat. Uh, That that makes a big difference on that noise that you hear in the background. But still pretty clear. um, That Marshall that I use runs a lot of gain. It's it's a high gain amplifier. I had it turned to, I think the volume was about three quarters of one out of ten. And then the gain was like six out of ten. Uh, I had that thing custom redone a while back to just be a studio monster. So it gets really high gain at low volume. Uh, It gets the the tubes hotter at low volume uh, so you don't destroy microphones. Uh, But it sounds great. Uh, So that Les Paul handles that high gain pretty well. Uh, The high output uh, pickups, the CMR Duncan distortions uh, handle it pretty well. They're still pretty clear. As You can hear that it sounds good playing chords. It sounds good playing single notes. It's got a lot of body. And then the final test uh, was a full chord, all six strings. You can still hear all six strings. Uh, guitar number two faded slightly to the right. Was what I call the desJ the uh, Dennis Eddie Stevie Jimmy Strat, or the All Strat is what I usually just tell people because desJ is making sense to most people. On the right, you can hear that buffer <coughs> from the Afterburner. It cleans up the sound a little bit, but I think it does. Have a slightly less output, and again, that could just be position of the pickup related to the string height, uh, or the the pickup height related to the strings. But I I don't think it's that much. I think there's a little bit more going on. Um, Also, a little bit cleaner wiring. I'm much better at doing soldering and wiring than I was back then. So that guitar just sounds cleaner. If you notice on the right hand, there's a lot more signal to noise. Noise is a lot lower volume. So that second guitar, the All Strat, is the one I used to record the intro to this podcast. Uh, sounds great for any kind of music. Uh, it's kind of fit its its purpose, its in- intended design. So quite happy with it. Uh, the interesting thing is that both guitars are using the same pickup, but they sound. Uh, if you listen really closely, they do sound quite different. There are significant differences, even using the same equipment. So uh, I think you've probably been asking when I'm going to tie this into. Uh, a beer podcast because so far I haven't really talked about beer except for this pineapple cannon which I'm about halfway through delicious uh beer by the way uh we've seen a lot of beers lately um Jordan and I always talk about this there's um you know always like new hops coming out uh we just talked about it I think on our Sierra Nevada podcast there's a lot of cold IPAs that we're seeing at least we had the, the cold torpedo uh there's a lot of experimentation with yeast and you know a little bit with grains and Additives, uh, you know. A lot of times, you'll see a beer like one of the very popular ones, uh, hops to use is Citra or Mosaic. And you'll see two different breweries that have the same ingredients. They'll have a, you know a neutral yeast and a pretty standard grain bill, you know, two row, uh, and then they'll both have Mosaic or citrus, uh, Citra hops, and somehow they'll taste different from each other. And I think that's something I'm starting to notice uh, as we see a lot of people making. You know, West Coast IPAs, there's there's a pretty definitive set of ingredients for most West Coast IPAs. Uh, there are, I mean, for hazies, we're seeing a lot of citra and mosaic. Um, I mean, it's even like if you want to compare um, New Glory and Sierra Nevada, both have IPAs with mosaic. Um, ubadank is heavy on mosaic hops, and so is Tropical Torpedo. They taste completely different. Uh, I would, I, I think, I'd prefer Tropical Torpedo. But again, this is the, you know similar ingredients, similar. It's different equipment, so you can't compare it to you know the two guitars. But I'm seeing a lot of similar ingredients, and I, what I used to turn away and say, ah, oh, it's just another Citra hop, West Coast, whatever that everyone's doing that. I've I've gotten my curiosity peaked um, lately by trying to dabble back into some of these beers that I keep seeing. With similar ingredients because they taste different. Uh, case in point, um, you know, it was a horrible thing that happened with the fires here in, in California Paradise. Uh, a lot of brewers came together and created um, uh, beers based off of an original recipe, and I can't remember who made it, but Resilience was a collaboration recipe, and then uh, it kind of spread out all over the way, uh, place for uh, different breweries to make their own version of it. Um, the catch with this one. It's slightly different from the all in this together uh, recipe where the all in this together for COVID, uh, that one was kind of like, do your own thing. It's kind of like, here's a roadmap, but we're we're trying to get to a similar place, but get there how you want. Uh, Resilience was, here's the recipe. Here's what to use. Make this beer and donate the money to charity. And that's kind of when I started opening my eyes a little bit, but more so recently, but it's... Basically using the same ingredients or similar ingredients. um, Coming out with a different product. And I've always thought that was very interesting. um, In the brew uh, industry, like, you know, these these can releases and whatnot. But uh, now more so with my guitars. Since I'm running two guitars with the same equipment. And have different outcomes. I just thought that was very interesting. And I wanted to try and tie together some of the crazier guitar builds that I've been working on. Which, you know, I usually drink beer and, and work on my guitars here. It's one of my hobbies. Uh, So is drinking beer and talking to you guys with my friends. It's another hobby. So uh, a meeting of uh, what Jordan calls poetic chemistry for beer and uh, a little bit of mad science with uh, electric guitar modification and and tuning. Some stuff I picked up over the years. Uh, If you want to hear more, uh, send us an email. If you want to hear Jordan talk about his drums or Miles talk about his guitar experience or his vocal experience or Logan and his guitar and vocal experience, uh, we can try and get these guys on a podcast. Uh, this was interesting to you. Uh, fun fact: Logan and I, uh, when we first started playing together for the first time, we both played Les Pauls and Marshall stacks, and he's the only guitar player, coincidentally, that I've also been able to really jive with uh, in a band, in a five-piece band. Uh, it's kind of funny. Like we're like, um, we're not mirror opposites of each other, but we fit together like like two puzzle pieces, and I think we did great work. So, uh, his experience is a little bit different from mine which might be interesting. Uh, Jordan has a uh, very, very uh, interesting experience in the percussion world, and maybe we can convince him to talk about it in uh, one of these episodes. I, I kind of want to do that episode now that Jordan's back in town and just say, hey, what have you been up to? What's new? What have you been working so uh, hard for, right? So with that, guys, I think I'm going to let you go. Uh, not trying to make this one too lengthy. I just wanted to try and open up to uh, the audience of some of my other background things going on, and you know maybe how the intro of the podcast was created. Some of our backgrounds, it's a little bit different, a uh, little bit more interesting stuff to get to know us. So, stay tuned and uh, cheers.